the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Telling you that the labor market's still struggling. That is a no-brainer in my opinion. It's easy to see. It's easy to understand. It's an easy concept. That means if we're not employed, we're not spending our paychecks or we're not saving. If we're not employed at somewhere between 4 and 6%, it's bad long-term for the economy, bad long-term for our country. Uh, I'm not just saying that. I'm seriously trying to help you process this and get through this. Um, and what do I mean by that? You shouldn't be expecting, just because your portfolio was at an all-time high a month ago, doesn't mean it's going to be an all-time high six months from now. Wall Street should start reacting to these employment numbers, but Wall Street's got a lot on its mind right now from who's going to be the next president and uh, what sector should we reward next. Big tech has had a great year. The S&P 500 is now flat for the year. Um, Wall Street has a lot on its mind right now with these unemployment claims and with the election and ultimately with the pandemic, right? It's almost a, she loves me, she loves me not, she loves me. No, she loves me not. On a day-by-day basis, how we're playing with the pandemic. Hey, it looks like we're going to get a vaccine. Oh, 200,000 people have died. Hey, it looks like we're going to get some some tonic that's going to make things a little bit easier for us to process it and fewer people on ventilators, which is a good thing. Oh, look. Uh, Wisconsin's seen a rise in, in COVID infections. Like it's a, she loves me. She loves me not every single day on the market. Other business stories of note today that are important are interesting. Michael Jordan joins a NASCAR team with Bubba Wallace as his driver. That is a wow moment. And I want to say, Nike, you need to get on this and you need to promote this this in American history because I think there's been one other black owner, but a black owner in NASCAR in a sport that's dominated in viewers by young white males in the South. This could get the rest of the United States watching NASCAR, potentially. I'm, I'm intrigued by that. I'm intrigued by that. And again, is an ambassador important to a company? You bet. And there's none better than Michael Jordan or Oprah Winfrey. None better. Anything they touch, you could almost invest in. Just throwing that out there. I think that's, uh, like I said, a very good story. Um, As far as business stories today, college uh, participation, enrollment down 2.5% this year. It's a put up or shut up time for colleges on how they're going to deal with covid um, I was disappointed that the Big Ten said, let's play football. I get it. I get the college athletes only have that one year, maybe to make an impact, maybe to change their life, maybe to get into national sports. And I get the Big Ten as a National Football League uh, generator of talent, big time. I get it. But it 
to do a reversal after you threw something down, just it looks bad. So this is stuff we're looking at right now. Uh, weekly jobless claims rose more than expected. Not good. On top of that, you could say, um, I want to talk a little bit. Well, let's take a quick look at the market, shall we? Colleges saw fewer undergrads enroll. College costs aren't free or cheap. What else do I want to throw out this segment? Um, NASDAQ's up slightly. The other markets are sideways. This has not been a glorious week on Wall Street, nor has it been a glorious month on Wall Street. But like I was reminded yesterday when I was talking to briefing.com's Patrick O'Hare, it's been a this we're we're doing okay. We're doing okay for the stock market in a pandemic. One of the books that I've read that I think everyone should read is Nassim Talab's The Black Swan. Um, and he did a story inside of it where he worked for a casino and that casino spent vast sums of money on surveillance trying to catch cheaters. Um, the casino lost a hundred million dollars due to a tiger mauling, uh, that he worked at. Do you remember Siegfried and Roy? So he's trying to make a point that casinos spend a ton of money on surveillance to stop cheating. And yet Siegfried and Royd cost them a hundred million dollars. Or how about that time when a disgruntled contractor placed explosives around the casino with the intention of blowing it up? Or that time a cage employee with the responsibility of mailing in 1099 G forms to the IRS inexplicably hit at the mother's desk to the point that the casino almost lost its license. Understanding risk is super important. Sometimes it's not just the you know uh, the eyeballs that you're putting on one customer who's trying to steal a ten dollar you know uh, a can of uh, plumber's putty. Home Depot used to have a policy, and I don't know if it's still there. They used to have a policy: if you see someone stealing, just let them go. And I'm like, really? And I get it now because you have to understand you know the things that you need to focus on versus the things that you can overfocus on. There was a casino's daughter who was kidnapped and ransom had to be paid, which was done out of the casino's own cash position. Um, so sometimes we're looking at risk. We're looking at risk. We're looking at risk. And we forget there's a lot more risk out there. And some of it can be managed a lot easier than others. Um, which brings me to a sector that I think is most interesting. Everyone knows energy sector is awful right now. Everyone knows that. Oil is dirty. It's filthy. It, it, it ruins the planet. It's heading back towards, if you look at the Energy Select Spider, XLE, XLE, it looks like it's heading back towards double bottom, at which point I'm going to buy. I'm telling you that now because I don't think it goes there right now. It's the most interesting chart I've pulled up in months, the XLE, because energy stocks aren't doing well. And that's something that you can flinch. You, can, you go, really? Yeah. But tech stocks are doing great. British Petroleum came out with a dire prediction for energy demand. The company is rapidly diversifying into alternative sources of energy. That, to me, is more of a sign that it's time to buy energy than it is to sell energy. 
I know, I know, I know. It's counterintuitive. And I'm not telling you I'm going to do this. I'm telling you I'm strongly looking to do this. I'm not telling you you should do this because you need to consult a broker advisor for take action on any stocks ever mentioned on the show. Um, I don't predict the death of fossil fuels. Not in my lifetime. Not in my kid's lifetime. Um, so now there's an S&P 500 ETF that excludes fossil fuels. Pretty interesting, no? No, it's not. Um, I think consulting in this industry of being socially conscious and environmentally conscious makes a ton of sense. Your services are going to be in high demand. And yet I'm fascinated by energy as an investment right now. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Michael Jordan. And energy. And unemployment. And I'm trying to stir the pot to give you kind of a landscape of what's happening out there. Um, As far as investing goes... I hope I make investing entertaining for you because it's entertaining for me. And the idea of taking care of myself until age 100 is one of the reasons I'm doing this. I don't have to because my dad had a heart attack <clears throat> right at my age. And that's when they found cancer in his lungs. And then five years later, he was dead. Um Six years later, he was dead. Almost to the day when a doctor said, you'll be dead in six months. He was dead in six months. So they took the cancer out, and they comes back a couple years later, and he's, oh, you got cancer. You're going to be dead in six months. He was told, you're going to be dead in six months. It's kind of a blessing, kind of a curse, right? He could have got his financial affairs in order. He didn't. Oddly enough, he wanted to get his his social affairs in order. He wanted to make good with God again. He was raised Catholic, but he kind of fell out of that when his oldest son uh, was caught selling marijuana, and it was put all over the newspaper. Eagle Scout Black, dope dealer. And it kind of crushed his his arena that he worked in, that he lived in, that his bubble of, of reality. Um. I bring it up because he didn't get his financial affairs in order. I tried to do the show to help you get your financial affairs in order. Hopefully you have a will. And if you own a house in California, hopefully you have a trust. Because when you die, it's going to take a year to pass. It's going to have to go through probate. And you're going to be paying an attorney when you're dead $40,000 plus to make sure that no one owned your property that shouldn't own of your property. Or no one's making a claim. It's a weird thing. I brought this up once on air, and oddly enough, my boss is suspended me for a day. So I'm going to bring it up again. But on the East Coast, you don't want to go through probate. You want to make sure the home is yours. Because 200 years ago, 250 years ago, um, slavery was a big problem on the East Coast. And a lot of people promised things to people that and took things that they shouldn't have. So you clear a title. You make sure it's a clean title. Isn't your home have a clean title when you bought it? You did a title check, right? It's crazy what probate attorneys could dredge up. Oh, you don't want to find out that you have got a long-lost uncle who says the property's his. 
or, oh, you don't want to find out that, you know, your old granddaddy made babies and the property is part of the, the babies. Like, what? <laughs> My granddaddy? I don't even have a granddaddy. Um, so have a plan. Have a trust. If you own a home, you're going to save money. A trust is going to cost you five to $10,000. If you own a home and you die, it goes through probate, it's going to cost you 40000 That seems to me every homeowner should have a trust. It'll give the assets to your heirs that you want to give to your heirs. I kind of like trusts in a funny way. They're, they're wicked. Um, you can set up a trust so that, let's say you have a million dollars upon death. You could say, I want to give my son $20,000 a year until he dies. You could make that, you could do that in your trust. You got to get 4% returns on a million to get 40,000 to kind of self feed that 20,000 withdrawal, but you could do it. Or you could say, I want my son, I'm 75 years old and I just had a baby who I'll be long dead before he goes to college. If my son finishes college, he gets 25,000. You could do that in a trust. It's not just my son gets my money. You could say, this is the one that I love, and this is the one that I've told the sugar booger, the spouse, um, she should put into the trust, is the stipulation that if she dies and I remarry, all of our wealth, when I die, goes to our children instead of the new wife. <clears throat> That's kind of a weird one, right? I've seen it happen. A uh, good friend of mine, a family friend. Her dad got a divorce, a gray divorce, over 50, right? Left her mother with nothing. Not nothing, but not a lot. Um, so she got a little bit of something in the divorce. So my friend's mother wasn't taken care of. He remarries, and he gives the house everything. The inheritance all goes to the new wife. None of it goes to the children, even though her original mother and father had plans to leave the money to the kids. So she grew up thinking, I'm going to be wealthy one day when my parents die. And then that got taken away, an inheritance that kind of took a hard right versus staying on the freeway. You're like, wait, 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 where did that go? That kind of stuff happens. And that's why you should set up a trust, in my opinion. So you could say things like, for instance, what I would put in my trust, if you have children, something along the lines of this statement. When I die, my kids get the money if they finish college. Eh, that's kind of a jerk move, but okay. So even when I'm dead, I'm haunting my kids, right? And then I could say, okay, my kids, it's going to be in a trust, and they're going to be able to draw 4% a year or 3% a year until it's depleted. Or I could say, at age 25, he gets a quarter of it. At age 35, he gets half of it. At age 40, he gets the last half, last quarter. I could do that. But something that's kind of important to me, because my kids are going to be walking into some money, is that if they get married and divorced, it stays in his name, not the ex-wife. You could lose a lot of money in divorce, and that's my advice to everyone. You could lose a lot of money in divorce. Your child could get married early and quickly. I mean, we've all seen it. Want the podcast with music? 
Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. We're cruising towards the election. Um, I'll let you figure that one out for yourself. But it looks like it's going to be dramatic, is what I'll say on my my half. Um, California is going to ban new gasoline-powered vehicles starting in 2035. I think that's very cool. I don't know if I want it. I don't, but I, I think clearly Californians do, or something like that. Zero emission vehicles. Well, in California, cars will have to be zero emission vehicles. So it means hybrids are gone too. Now, if you have a car, you could still use it. I don't know what the rules are going to be if you go out of state. Maybe it's an in-state license plate. I don't know. Uh, the order only applies to new car sales, meaning that as a resident of the state of California, you won't be prohibited from driving, owning, or selling used gas-powered vehicles. Will the market for gas-powered vehicles in 2034 explode? Will people start buying them and hoarding them? The social drama. I can't wait. Uh, and that's one that'll hopefully happen in my lifetime. <laughs> I could say 15 years from now, I could should still be alive, but who knows, right? I want to see that one unfold. Um, and Texas is going to hate it. Republicans are going to hate it. If you're from a, a state that produces oil, that's going to cut down demand for gasoline heavily. It's going to be noted in the world. California is the sixth largest nation, uh, sixth largest country in the world. Now, does the gas-powered vehicles, does that mean tractors? And does that mean trucks? Let's see. It's passenger cars. So let's not go crazy. Let's not go crazy. Does that mean if I get an 18-wheeler, I can drive a, a, my, my gas-burdened, oil-loving vehicle? Uh, I, I can tell you, like I said, red states, uh, Republican states are going to hate that. And they're going to call Californians fruity and nutty and granola-loving tree huggers and Berkeley, berserkly graduates. So we've got that going for us, which is nice. The llama gave, the llama gave me eternal life. I got that going for me. New home sales crush expectations, but supply is running out. Let me try to say that in English. New home sales crushed expectations, but supply is running out. Wow. Does the news not get worse and worse and worse for renters? Sales of newly built homes jumped to the highest level in 14 years in August, but builder supply dropped to just 3.3 months. If a home is not built between now and 3.3 months, we're all out at the current pace. Now, of course, that would be changed a little bit, but you get the idea. While the pandemic created huge demand from buyers, it did just the opposite for sellers. People are staying in their homes. About 400,000 fewer homes have been listed for sale since the pandemic began. Fascinating, the social uh, ramifications, the social behaviors that come out of a pandemic. Exceptional demand for both new and existing homes. Brought on by the stay-at-home culture that the coronavirus pandemic has cultured. Can a culture culture? Can coronavirus culture? Yes. So housing is severely depleted, which means home prices are going to go up maybe dramatically. If there's only a three-month supply, that's amazing. If you're a seller, 
you you should put 10% on your home price right now. Because if there's a price war, some realtor is going to say, and for the record, I'm not giving you advice on what to sell your home at. You should consult a professional. I'm not a professional home seller. I am a professional poodle hair designer, but I'm not a professional home seller. So a three-month supply, that's crazy. I never thought we would get that low. Um, A buyer's market is when we get to like nine months. Six months, kind of neutral. Four to six months is kind of neutral. Three months, that's a seller's market for sure. And sometimes you find yourself in a community that, you know, house is listed and it's gone before it even listed. You're like, wait, wait, it just came on. It it didn't even go by the market. It was sold. That's how hot it is. Um, That's like a zero day, zero month supply kind of scenario. Three months is low. Um, Majority of sellers are also buyers right now. So even as new listings hit the market, another buyer is also being added. So if you sell a home, you're typically buying a home. But also some people who are selling their home, some people are buying second homes, and some people are buying first homes. This is a weird uh, stew pot of real estate buyers. Builders shut down operations in March and April, of course. The economy shuttered. We make, It makes sense. We didn't know what the pandemic was. We didn't know anything about it. I wish we knew then what we know now. We've witnessed lumber prices accelerate. We deliberately sold inventory and limited sales on tomorrow's yet-to-be-started homes. It, it This is a, a plus for home builders, unless they can't get homes built between now and the next three months. All the demand increases for homes in August came from below the $500,000 price point. Particularly those priced below three hundred thousand, where demand is greatest. Um, I can tell you, the attention to my home has been far greater in the last seven months than it has been in the last seven years. So, home is where the heart is. Home is where the flu is not. I know you're saying, "Please move on, Robert. Please move on." There must be another story out there. So, new home sales crushed expectations. Supplies running out. Uh, um, racial inequality. This is uh, going to be interesting to see if I can get this one out without offending someone, right? Citibank. Let's hide behind Citibank. They put a number to at least try to figure out social injustice. They say that $16 trillion has been erased from the U.S. GDP over the last two decades due to discrimination. $16 trillion due to discrimination. Now, can't we all get along? Now that we can say, like, $16 trillion is, is is lost. The study found that the racial divide addressed, um, that if the racial divide were addressed, a $5 trillion could be added to the economy over the next five years. City announced a more than $1 billion initiative to help close the racial wealth gap. I've met one person of color who was an entrepreneur who started a investment advisory firm like I did 20 years ago. One. And his name's Eugene Pryor. You can go look him up. He played for the New England Patriots. He was working in Bethesda, which is a heavy African-American, black American community just outside Washington, D.C. 
Um, and what I found interesting, all of his employees were people of color. And I thought that was wonderful. It was refreshing. I say this all the time. I'm a white, Caucasian, puffy guy. There's plenty of us in this industry. I would love to see more women in the industry and people with anything other than uh, white tint on their skin. Pink, whatever you want to call us. Our puffy Caucasians. And I know that's not cool, but I think it would bring more people to the table. I've got a friend who started a uh, movement of educating uh, people in Oakland, black people in Oakland, black churches in Oakland in particular, and they want me to speak. And I'm like, absolutely. Know that know that I'm white <laughs> coming in. And I'm like, just know that. Just let's not be surprised. Um, but we got to spread the wealth and we got to educate people, all people. Um, 16 trillion has been raised from the GDP. 5 trillion could be added to the economy over the next five years is what City is doing. Now, again, I don't know about their poll. I don't know much about it. Addressing racism and closing racial wealth gap is the most critical challenge we face in creating a fair and inclusive society, so says Citigroup CEO Michael Corbett. Keep in mind, Citigroup's CEO Michael Corbett also said he's going to retire early and let a woman, a woman, take over a big investment bank. Oh, that's not going to be like in the Rumpus Room. There's a book in the early 2000s called The Rumpus Room. It was about one of the very first female employees at Sullivan Smith Barney and how just sexist the culture is. I completely agree. It's changed a lot in the last five, ten years in, in California. I don't know if it's changed in New York, but I can tell you the financial institutions I see in California have gotten more diverse and inclusive. Um, but if we can all make more money, is that not the reason to do this? Just throwing it out there. Battery day was a big letdown for Tesla. Um, it's a little bit of an old story at this point in time, but I want to bring up the question, what's going to drive Tesla going forward? Is it going to be the electric vehicle announcement that Gavin Newsom made yesterday that all cars have to have zero emissions by 2035 in California? That's going to help Tesla for sure. Is it going to be the battery day? Well, no, not this time. Put that on the calendar for 364 days from now, maybe next time. What they need to do right now is have a great quarter. Every 90 days, they need to put up or shut up or come up with a new product that they're going to show us. That's how Wall Street works. It's a showman-type relationship. What's under the big tent with Tesla? We want to know. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. NVIDIA is up a whopping 15 bucks today, up 3%. Uh, The recent downturn was maybe the opportunity that you get, and that's it. Michael Jordan has signed on to own a NASCAR team. He's bringing along Bubba Wallace as his driver. That's two very, very influential African-American, Black-American icons. Um, I'm excited to see what they can bring to NASCAR. Um, I can tell you there's going to be a lot of sponsorship money that is will be dying to get in on that. Apple's up today as well. I'm seeing kind of a mixed day was what I was trying to get out with looking at numbers today. 
Weight Watchers is down. Macy's is down. I'm trying to find some not love stocks. Nike just hit an all time high yesterday, so they're down. A little profit taking. Um, Nasdaq's moving slightly higher. The Dow just just a teeny tiny teeny teeny fraction of a sliver in the positive. But we're not going anywhere fast. The initial jobless claims were disappointing. The Fed has already said we're not going to do anything for two years. So we don't even have to think about that. Now we look at Congress and go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. maybe get something done, boys and girls. Um, and yet it doesn't feel like it's going to get done. They have to take a break in a couple weeks before the elections. They can go back to their home state and try to get elected. Um, it's time's running out. And if I think if we don't get stimulus, I think we're for sure for sure the odds are going to creep higher and higher into recessionary odds, which is okay. I like recessions. Um, I think they're normal and healthy. I don't like the ones that are created by Congress, but it's still, in the end, okay for me. Why does Rob Black like recessions? Isn't that the R word that you're never supposed to say? No, it's okay with me. In 2000, when I came to the Bay Area, I was a young man. I was a dating single young man, and I got to the Bay Area, and I was like, I have a six-figure salary, and I'm impressive on the East Coast. Holy mackerel, not on the West Coast. Everyone here was six foot five, taller than me. I'm six two. I'm like, no, I came to the land of giants, and they all had jobs, and they all started at six figures out in California. So I kind of survived it. When the recession hit, a lot of people moved back home. When the recession hit, companies like Webvan went out of business. Companies like Webvan were hiring a lot of people, giving them six-figure salaries. I have a friend that studied um, at UCSB psychology, and she got hired uh, at a dot-com company because she was a warm body. They just wanted people to pull the levers to make the company move. Um. Now she's, you know, a psychologist in a totally different industry. But back then, anyone. And I like the recession because when it hit, it took these young people who only knew success of the dot-com, the roaring 90s. Um, that success was too easy for them. Now I kind of feel bad because it sounds like the millennials have been woken into 2008 and then 2019 COVID issues. Um that that feels like can't we be like the generation before us that walked into the six figure jobs that you were just talking about? <clears throat> I know. You promised to save the money if I give those to you, right? Yes, I promise. And then a couple months later you're laid off and you're gonna save a penny. Because that's just the nature of how we play this game. Um But yeah, talking about corrections, talking about pullbacks, talking about recessions. Um the recession to me what it truly meant in 2000, when we got the 2000-2002 tech bursting bubble, what it truly meant to me was that I could go to restaurants. Because before then, every restaurant was booked. It was, it was months in advance. Kids were smoking cigars outside. It was like the roaring 20s. It was kind of a nirvana uh, for San Francisco. It was a utopia of young people and money. Now, ask who didn't like it, the people who are already living here, the artists, the gay and lesbian community, uh, bisexual, transsexual, all of it, they were 
you know, happy not making a hundred thousand working for a dot com company, but living in San Francisco. And then all these kids come in and they start buying property and they start pushing the property taxes and then they start pushing the people out. So it became gentrified. Um, I've seen it in Hell's Kitchen in New York. Hell's Kitchen in New York used to be one of the toughest neighborhoods on the planet to visit. And now it's just lovely. It's just lovely. And that's gentrification. And ultimately, recessions help for me to send out some of the excesses. Does that make sense to you? Whether it's young people living excessively large or whether it's, you know, we're buying $120,000 vehicles because we can. A friend of mine worked at Uber and he bought a $200,000 McLaren. Pretty sure that's right. Yes. Um, he lost his job. I've never seen a person go into a depression faster because he lived larger than he should have. He made a ton of money. He still has it, but he's kind of regretting the way it played out. I don't need a $200,000 McLaren. I don't need those kind of excesses, but recessions kill those kind of excesses. Um, I know you're saying you find happiness in the strangest things, Rob. Initial jobless claims today are, to me, pointing to a higher likelihood of recession. Uh, if Congress doesn't do something, don't you wish you, I didn't say that. It's like, well, maybe Congress does something. I know. And they will. Will it be pre-election or will it be post-election? I don't know, but it's coming. So they're going to manage the recession as best they can.